This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. And good afternoon, I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle, an hour every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right. We try to bring some context to the news of the week, or maybe a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. So great to have you along. Got Ryan on the board across the way, Eva taking the calls, Kevin supervising over there at Air Traffic Control. A beautiful day outside. If you are in town for the marathon, New York City Marathon is tomorrow, and you needed that perfect marathon weather, sorry, instead of 40 degrees and brisk with no wind, it's 74 or something out there. I didn't hear what Frank said during the news break, but it sounds like, I mean, it just came in, I'm in a t-shirt, biked here, it is beautiful outside. Perfect weather for Guy Fawkes Day. No, you don't have to bleep that out. Guy Fawkes Day, I'm reading now. November 5th, 1605, an attack on the Parliament Houses. And they, they foiled the attempt. They foiled the terrorist attack, but still for some reason in Great Britain, they celebrated every day at this time with giant bonfires. Only the British would celebrate a failed terrorist attack. But if we get right down to it, it's just because they still hate the Catholics and they want to celebrate because of the part of the... Part of the reason for the attack, so the so-called plans attack was um, was um, they were anti-Catholic. No, it was a pro-Catholic attack. I don't remember what it was actually. I wasn't there. Um, as I said, the marathon is tomorrow. Forty Second Street was closed today. Biking down because they do a five k run. They do a five k run to get ready for their marathon. Listen, I'm into physical fitness as much as the next guy, but Jesus, just stop running. Just what are you running from? Enough already. But they're going to be out there tomorrow in droves. It's going to be great for all of you who are in town for that. I hope you're listening, and it's good to have you here. Um, I'm told that since it's November, my first show in November, I'm allowed to do 30 seconds of hockey. I made a deal with Chad and and John Katsimatidis, and even eventually Kevin had to take me aside and say, enough already. I was doing too much hockey last season. So I'll just do my trademark power rankings. Devils are playing great. Islanders are tied at zero with Detroit's second-best team, and the, and the Rangers have to figure out how to play five-on-five five hockey, but they're young. They'll do fine. So there it is. I'm all done with the hockey talk. Um, some ratings came in for the show. I just want to really take this moment to thank everyone. The, the show is doing very well. A lot of people tuning in, a lot of people downloading us in the form of a podcast, something that you can do. And let me go no further than to tell you the dial-in number. We can take a lot of calls today, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And in the research, it says one of the things people like is the callers are excellent to this show. We'll be here till 3 o'clock, and then left versus right, Curtis Lee, and I'll talk a little bit in the, the home stretch of the campaign. And you can always listen to us on WABCradio.com or any time as a podcast. You can tweet at me if Elon Musk will let you at at Rep Wiener or email at wienerwabc at gmail.com. And we do have a little programming note that I I asked, are we sure we want to say we want to do this? Because once we announce it, I think we have to do it. So the election's coming up on Tuesday. I'm going to talk a lot about it on the show here. And on Monday at 2 o'clock, Greg Kelly, during his excellent show in the afternoon, is going to be hosting, I can't believe I'm reading this right, he's going to be hosting the last debate of the campaign because Tuesday's election day representing the the Republicans and and representing Lee Zeldin plus the National Republicans is Andrew Giuliani, which is if you've heard if you've heard him on the mornings, he's he's excellent at this. The not Rudy Giuliani, his son Andrew ran for governor. And representing the Democrats, representing Hochul and the Democrats nationwide. I think it's gonna be a one hour debate. Half of it's gonna be local and half of it's gonna be about national. I'm really not sure. Is is this, is this am I reading this right? Anthony Weiner. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's that's what we're doing, and I encourage you to tune in. I, you know, I think it, I think it'd be great. I mean, he's he's an, a, a, he's a, you know Andrew's got all the advantages. Let's face it, he just came off the campaign trail. He was actually a candidate for governor, so debating. But apparently, we're not. But we're not going to do it the way you're used to seeing it, because we all think that way stinks. Thirty seconds, five seconds. You know, we're going to sit around and we're going to take as so much time as we need. We're going to talk. We have a conversation. We're going to talk about our, we're, we're going to be respectful to one another. I like him. He likes me. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're just getting to know each other, but he, I mean, I've got respect for him and, and I thought he did an excellent job. You've heard me talk about his campaign with, uh, when I'm, I've talked about it with Curtis. So that's going to be Monday at two o'clock. Um, so I do have to put, I have to ask Kevin, do I have to put on a tie? I don't know. I've never been in a radio debate. Do I have to put on a tie? Do I have to brush my hair? All of those things, but it should be interesting. Look forward to that. And that's on Monday at two o'clock. Please tune in. Um, so that's what's going on. And, you know, I, 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 I take a look at Twitter every so often. Um, as you know, Twitter is where I got into my most trouble. So I have a hate, hate relationship with it. And I see that was trending yesterday. I stand with Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, basketball player. For those of you who don't know, plays for the, for the New, New York Nets, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. He's apparently an excellent basketball player. I'm not a huge basketball guy growing up. I was, you know, hockey and basketball at the same time. I was always, I, I was a hockey guy, as you've, unfortunately for you, become familiar with on this show. And, um, it's trending. A lot of people were hashtag I stand with Kyrie people saying they agree with him. And I just have to say, you know, there's been a lot of con- con- conversation about this. This notion that anti-Semitism is on the rise, I don't believe. I don't believe it. I think as a Jew, as a Jewish elected official, as a Jewish public figure, my experience is that – Anti-Semitism just is, and whether it gets expressed out loud or whether it gets expressed in the form of a swastika on my office door, or gets expressed in the form of of mail that comes into my office every time I would appear on Fox News or anywhere else. Um, I don't believe anti-Semitism is on the rise. I just believe that it's a, a question of whether we see or hear more of it or less than it. And so, when you hear voices like Kanye. And you just take a look at Twitter. Twitter is a perfect example of this, is that uh, Elon Musk comes in. He says, we're going to let people say what they want. And what do they immediately do? The instances of anti-Semitism and racism go through the roof. Did those people just become racist? No. I don't believe it. And overnight, we saw a spike in these things. And overnight, um, we saw you know threats to synagogues in New Jersey. I don't believe that it's on the rise. I just believe it's it's just a very – it's a common thing. It's too easy. It's been going on for generations, if not thousands of years. Um, and it is. Now, I just want to make it very clear that some people have said, oh, this is a free speech issue. When I went and looked at some of the comments on this, I stand. It's a free speech issue. You know, you're trying to shut down his right to speech. Um, no, you can say whatever you want. You can be as hateful as you want. As a matter of fact, the Supreme Court says if you're the KKK, you can go march through a Jewish neighborhood saying, you know, that you, that's fine. You can be as hateful as you want. But the difference is that companies that employ you won't like it. Websites that amplify you, um, will be punished by the marketplace. Uh, you'll be shunned. It was true for Kanye West. It's true for Kyrie, Le- for Kyrie Leonard. It's going to be true for Elon Musk. You know, by the way, you know, we, we think he's such a successful businessman. Oh, okay, he did some things right, but but this he's he's gonna take a bath on this, as he should. Because no one's gonna want to advertise on that. That's he's he's already said that. He's laying people off in droves. I mean, I don't really care. You you can go back and listen to my episode about about Twitter and how harmful I think it is to society. But this idea that you don't have a right to say hateful, outrageous things, you do. But there is a cost, as there should be. As there should be when you say racist things. And that, by the way, it, I think it extends. You saw, Nike has now canceled the, this contract or at least suspended it. It wasn't really clear from the announcement what exactly Nike's doing with Kyrie Leonard. By the way, you know who has a pair of Kyrie, Kyrie, Kyrie am I saying his name right? Kyrie, Kyrie Leonard, who has a pair of his shoes? My son Jordan does. We had a conversation on the way to hockey today about what, you know, trying to get him to engage a little bit about what he thinks we should do. But you know who else should bear responsibility? What about Amazon for having that screed? I didn't read it, obviously, but uh, the video, but I, I didn't go watch it. But I did read this long article, I think it was in the San Francisco Chronicle, that kind of went line by line and explained what the guy was saying. It was a racist, just the same racist tropes. Uh, you know, you know, 
Leonard is like, oh, you, you know, like treating it like he was being a big thought leader by just exposing new ideas. No, this is the same tropes, the same anti-Semitic tropes, the same stuff. There's not a lot of originality going on um, here. And I just want to make it clear that it is their right to say these things. It's my right to say I'm never going to buy a Nike product so long as he works there. It's my right if I'm, you know, remember what the New York, the New Jersey, uh, I scrolled through all the names of the previous, of the previous Nets. They were once in the New York Nets, then the New Jersey Nets, now they're the Brooklyn Nets. Remember what the Brooklyn Nets are. They're a consumer entertainment product. You can buy it. You cannot buy it. You can buy the ticket. You cannot buy the ticket. And, I think that as a business person, if I have an employee that's leading people not to want to buy my products, I fire them. Now, obviously, it's a tougher thing to do because he's a, a, a good basketball player. Even though last night, apparently the Nets won by 200 points against Washington, but without quite Kyrie Lynn. And, and Leonard has been now suspended indefinitely for several days. Look, I, I don't like saying that guy, this guy, you know, one of the things I didn't do in Washington, maybe someone will find an instance where I did, but I never liked saying that government officials who did something that I didn't like should fire them. That was never my thing. You know, I think people should be held accountable, but I don't think you should fire. But, it, you know, if you are the Nets and you're trying to figure out how we get people to come sit in our seats and we are in a city that has, you know, in Brooklyn, I think there are more Jews in Brooklyn anywhere outside of Israel. I mean, it's basically, you know, Traffic in that neighborhood, did you get Yidlock? It's a joke. Um, but it's my right not to buy tickets. Not that I ever would. And, and hopefully he gets fired. That's what I hope happens. But that's the, the down stuff. So let, let's talk a little bit about the big, uh, the big numbers of the week. Um, first one is 1,542. By the way, for those of you who are new to the show, every week we do some numbers of the week. 1,542. That's the number of news stories um, about rainbow fentanyl in the two months before Halloween, warning that dealers would slip this drug into trick-or-treat uh, bags. And let me just look. There was not a single story today or uh, after a Halloween confirming that it happened anywhere in the United States. It's one of those crazy conspiracies to get people upset, to get people mad, to get them scared, to get them not trusting their neighbors. And I talk a little bit about this on my new podcast, The Middle Unplugged, which comes out every Wednesday. I encourage you to subscribe to it. I talk about where conspiracy theories come from, who comes up with them and who keeps them alive and what their reasons for doing it is. Um, but spoiler alert, uh, it's usually about power or money. And in this case, the power part is we're in a political season, so these crazy stories were made up. I don't want to say whether one of those 1,542 or more were on the airwaves at 77 WABC, but the answer is yes, several were. Uh, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. The next uh, number of the, of the week, 902, that is the number – According to the Director of National Intelligence, the number of threats against politicians, against elected officials in the year 2016, 902. 2021, it was 9,625. That is a tenfold increase since 2016. Um, if we have time, I'll tell you a little bit later in, in the show about some of the threats that I've gotten and that my family and whom has gotten just – you know, I don't want to bum you out, but it is a a real thing, and we obviously saw that um, there was a an attack on uh, a, a kidnapping attempt with with uh, Nancy Pelosi. Um, one more number: forty five. Forty five percent of the vote in Wisconsin two years ago was Republican. Forty five percent. And yet they have 64% of the seats in the Republic, in the Wisconsin legislature. So in other words, the minority rules in Wisconsin, I point that out because when we come back from the break, I'm going to do my predictions for the elections around the country and I'm going to point out some anomalies about all of this. That's why when you can see that the polling and the research shows that there's an 85% chance that the House of uh, uh, House of Representatives switches to Republicans. And yet the Senate is a coin flip. It's 50-50, uh, maybe a slight edge for Republicans today. And the, the reason for that is redistricting and gerrymandering. 
and that kind of casts a cloud over everything. And when we get back from the break, I am going to – you don't have to – I want you to vote, obviously, but you don't have to watch any of the election coverage because I'm going to tell you who is going to win all of the big races here on the middle. When you come back, we'll have some an election preview. 800-848-WABC. So glad you're along on the middle. We'll see you on the other side. The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. And welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Every Saturday from 2 to 3 here on The Middle, we push away from the extremes and try to do some common sense in the middle. All right, you can stop calling. You can stop texting. I know it's Kyrie Irving now. <laughs> it's not Kyrie. What's the point of preparing a great monologue, standing up to anti-Semitism, if I get the dude's name wrong? This is uh, just radio. It's not for me. When you have to know facts, it's not my thing, as many of our callers like to point out. So we're talking a little bit about the election coming up. It's really, you know, I have not seen an election like this in a very long time. There, You know, there is this. The underlying fundamentals of midterm elections for presidents are usually not very good. And to give you an idea, in 2018, the last time we were in this circumstance, it was the first midterm for Donald Trump. The Democrats went into the election with a plus eight or plus nine, I think it's plus 8.5, meaning nine points like 59 to 41 and what what Americans said in polls, generic polls, which party they preferred. And that's usually a good indicator. Today, it's basically tied. I think it's like Democrats by point one. Um, also, when you have 75% of people say the country's going in the wrong direction, that's got to be a disaster for the in-party. All of those things being said, it's been a, a nip and tuck kind of election. Now, the House, for reasons that I pointed out a moment ago, it looks – it looks like it's going to go Republican. If it doesn't, then it means there's been a big polling miss in some fundamental way. And I'm going to talk about a little bit of what could happen. But was, but in, so in, in, in 2020, at the presidential level, it's a presidential election, it's a close election, not super close by national, by our historic standard. Um, you know, Biden won by about 5 million votes. 50.8% voted for the Democrat, 47.7% voted for the Republican, and a couple of points voted for everyone else. It's very close. So we are a very closely divided country. And whoever winds up prevailing in some of these races, it's, you know, we're going to say, oh, my God, big win, but you won by a point or two or three points. That's what it's going to work out to. So I'm going to leave the House out of this. I do believe that the Republicans win the House. I think they'll probably take office January 3rd with like a plus – 20, you know, and plus 20 means you can afford to lose 10 people on every vote. If you think about it, because it's five, you know, you lose 10, that's a net gain of 20 for the other side, right? Because it's then losing off of your reduction on your side. So that's only 10 people. It's going to be a very tough environment to govern in. But now I'm going to do, do we have, do we have prediction music? Let's have some prediction music here, Ryan, as I do. Oh, I like this. I always wanted to do the pregame show on Sundays. Um, so first, let's go to Pennsylvania. Emmett Oz, unpopular in the state, um, running against John Fetterman, who was leading the entire way, then had a debate post-stroke that gave people a lot of questions about whether or not... Did it bring this down just a tad, Ryan? Um, and I think that... Fetterman will win, albeit close. Emmett Oz, as of today, still is a is in the net in the net dislike category, meaning he's underwater in likability. Um, I think that Fetterman today in Pennsylvania, three presidents, Obama, Biden, and Trump will all be in Pennsylvania, and that's how close that is. I think Fetterman will win that race. In Ohio, you've got my former colleague Tim Ryan running against JD Vance, who wrote Hillbilly Elegy, became a a hedge fund guy completely changed his tune on Donald Trump, became one of Donald Trump's favorite guys. This has been close all the way along. I just don't believe Ohio 
at the end of the day with a Republican, a popular Republican on the ticket also, and Mike DeWine, with whom I served. Um, I think that J.D. Vance wins that one in Ohio. Uh, next up is Arizona. There a lot of attention in, in this state has been going to the governor's race. There's a woman running for governor who is favored, former TV uh, reporter who is a um, an election denier. She was the secretary of state, and I think she may wind up winning. But I do think that Mark Kelly, former astronaut Mark Kelly, will beat Blake Masters in Arizona. So um, uh, I have that one in the Democratic column. In Nevada, Catherine Cortez Master, the, the, the incumbent Democrat, is running again Adam Laxalt, the son of the former the former senator. The interesting thing about Laxalt's family is all supporting not all of them, like fifteen of Laxalt's family, and he's a, a longtime Republican is supporting Mastro. I think Laxalt wins that. I think Adam Laxalt is peaking at the right time. There are some questions about Cortez Mastro. That one I put in the Republican column. And in Georgia, this one may not end on election night. They have a runoff there. If you don't get 50%, and there is, I think, a third-party candidate in that race, I think Raphael Warnock holds on. He's been um, he's been up by a point or two. I'm a little bit nervous about that prediction because Warnock has recently been doing what he hadn't been doing previously, which is talking about Herschel Walker's scandals. Herschel Walker's gotten better on the stump. I still think Raphael Warnock. But now is my upset special. This is the one that I think is going to be the the, uh, the surprise of the night. I think in Wisconsin, I think Mandela Barnes beats Ron Johnson. Um, because, and I refer to what kind of a glitch would it need to be in the polling for there to be uh, Democrats do better than they expect in the House. I think younger voters who are... Uh, who have been growing and growing each cycle. They're still a relatively small part of the electorate, but they've been growing. I think in, a, in Wisconsin, a lot of younger voters, Mandela Barnes has been trailing almost since primary day. He came out of the primary with a little bit of lead, and then almost immediately Ron Johnson um, moved ahead. Ron Johnson has been consistently ahead in the polls. He's up by about three or four points in the average of the polls, but I think Mandela Barnes comes back and wins that. And so if I am correct, that means the Democrats will have a 52-48, I think I'm doing this math right, 52-48 margin in uh, in the Senate. So there it is. Those are my, my predictions. Now, I don't think I'm going to do – Okay, should I, should I tell you what's going to happen in the, in the Hochul race also? Or should I wait and do that with Curtis? 800-848-WABC. All right, I'll tell you what's going to happen in the Kathy Hochul race. Um, and in here in New York, uh, Kathy Hochul will win 55-45 by about 10 points, which is not a big margin. Um, but uh, I think that um, Lee Zeldin, uh, kind of, you know, unlike in New Jersey, he peaked and got close enough time for, Repu- for Democrats to get scared and get animated and get motivated. I think he's run a pretty good campaign. I still believe what I said a couple of weeks ago, that if I were the Republicans, I would have nominated someone who was somewhere in the middle on choice and someone who didn't vote to overturn the results of the election. I think he's run a good campaign, an energized campaign. I think it's been too base heavy in a state that has so many Democrats and hasn't given Democrats enough reason to vote for him. But I think Hochul wins by 10 points. We're going to talk about that more with Curtis at uh, 3 o'clock. And those are my predictions. Perfect. How, how good is how good is Ryan to get that perfectly timed? I, I should have taken credit for it. So that's what I've got. So eight hundred eight four eight WABC eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. If you'd like to make your predictions, if you'd like to tell me one candidate you're particularly thrilled about that doesn't get as much attention as they should, if you'd like to talk about one of the issues that came up during the campaign that you hope gets resolved um, going forward. Uh, we'll be able to, we'll be taking, uh, taking your calls. The board is filling up. People like to, to talk about this stuff, but I don't know about, I mean, I am really, you know, I like politics as much as the, as the next guy. I did it for a living. I was fairly good at it. I like talking about it to some degree. I am exhausted by this campaign season. Too many people talking about polls and they, you know, too many people think they know what's going. Too many people here on 77 and saying, oh, duh. It's, it's, you gotta be an idiot to vote for anyone but this guy or that guy. Look, there's, 
know, people are going to vote for other people. And, um, and, you know, you know, Steve Moore came, you know, before me talking about Hochul and the lockdowns. Hochul wasn't even the governor for the lockdowns. I mean, it's, it's fine if you want to say you don't like, you know, what Cuomo did. Um, and that one of the things, and, and that she ran with Cuomo, but, um, we'll see. I have, I have not been fired up by her campaign. I don't, I don't think she's run a particularly great campaign. I think that their answers on crime haven't been that great. I don't think they've done a good enough job taking apart Zeldin's record. You know, the problem is that when you have a candidate that you're leading by a lot, you tend to ignore them, right? So he, they only recently started to pay attention to Zeldin's record, but you know, some of the some of the biggest anti crime legislation that was passed in the in the House of Representatives the last year uh, he he didn't show up for. Go look at the congressional record on September twenty second of this year when three three uh, um, anti crime bills, including grants going to small police departments like in upstate New York, were voted on. He didn't show up, so his record's not so great on any of this stuff. But also, you know, the, to some degree, it's perfectly fair, it's perfectly reasonable for people to say. Philosophically, I don't support someone that supports Trump. Philosophically, I don't support someone who doesn't support my right to, to choice or my daughter's right to choice. It's a philosophical thing. Everyone says, well, he's not going to do anything about it or Trump's not on the ballot. That's not the point. We vote for people for all kinds of different reasons. And sometimes I want someone who understands my life experience and I support philosophically, who supports me philosophically. I don't need him to get every single issue exactly the way I would do it. I just want to know they're kind of on my side on the important things. And what could be more important than whether or not you think that someone should, that whether government should be in their bedroom? What can be more important than thinking that, that, you know, the state of New York shouldn't have a right to make its own gun laws? He running for governor and supports the idea that the state of New York can't make its own gun laws. Um, I think these are reasonable things. And you can say, well, you know, well, none of it matters except for the, for the, the crime, though, you know, the, uh, Cash bail thing. None of it matters except for that. Well, other people disagree. They think that there are big, there are big issues here. There are big philosophical issues. And that's one of the things we're going to have this, you know, hopefully get a chance to talk about this in our debate on Monday when I'll be debating Andrew Giuliani talking about some of these things. There are important philosophical differences between Democrats and Republicans in 2022. And when we get back from the break, we're going to take your calls. Um, and we got plenty of them. We'll talk about the campaign, candidates you like or don't like. Then at 3 o'clock, Curtis and I come in. We're going to talk about what Kurt, what uh, Hochul and Zeldin are doing the last 24, 48 hours, um, and uh, he's going to give me his take. He's been out in the campaign trail. I've been watching it from afar. Thank you so much for being with us on The Middle. I'll see you on the other side. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. And welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Panic in the Disco, High Hopes. These are some campaign rally songs, even though I realize that MIA song that brought us in the last time. You probably don't do gunshot songs anymore at campaign rallies. <laughs> High Hopes. It is campaign season. Thank you so much for joining us on The Middle, 800-848-WABC. We're here until 3 o'clock then. Left versus right with Curtis Sliwa. And uh, just got a call from Kawi Leonard's lawyer. Apparently, they're teeing up a lawsuit if I don't make it clear. I made it as clear as I can. I had the name wrong. It's Kyrie Irving. is the anti-Semite. Kyrie Leonard, I'm sure, is a very a very fine man. Even though it's funny, a guy named Irving being an anti-Semite doesn't make a lot of sense to me. All right, let's go to the calls. People have been holding on. They want to have to catch up on this, and I want to hear from all of you. Teddy and Yonkers. Go ahead, Teddy. Are you there, Teddy? Good afternoon, Anthony. How you doing? I am well. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I admire your comeback, and I respect you greatly, and uh, I want to say that first. Thank you. Anthony, there is so much. I'm a lifelong Democrat, but that doesn't mean that I agree 100 percent with the Democratic policies. They have messed up the crime issue, the bail, no bail issue, and...
that they're supposed to do from the point point of view of the majority of the public. And that's why I could see myself voting for Republicans. The days of Senator Jacob Javits and Howard Baker, what did the president know and when did he know it? Those days are over, Anthony. We have Republicans that create divisiveness and dissension. And Anthony, I must say this. You may agree with me, you may disagree with me, and you may not want to respond. But your station... Outside of you, Anthony, and it irks me, and maybe that's why my blood pressure has been shooting up. Anthony, your station, and outside of you, 99.9% of the time, it is condescending, condemning Democrats on everything, Anthony, and it's disgusting. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I don't agree with everything the Democrats do. But if you look at the Republicans, the Marjorie Taylor Greens today in the newspaper, Anthony, she said that they are going to cut off aid to Ukraine when they become the majority. And, Anthony, it's that type of talk and, and Bobart, how she interrupted Biden and started yelling at him at, the, at his uh, State of the Union address. Anthony... This is what turns me off about the Republicans, and I swear, I hope you're right about Ron Johnson, Anthony, and I wanted to get all these points out, and I admire you, Anthony. Keep up the good work. Well, I appreciate it, Teddy. Thank you for calling in. You're a good kind of poster child for the kind of, not a child, I mean, you're a poster person for the kind of listener that I hope we attract, people who can say both parties have their vices. I think the Democratic Party is the better one, and I think, you know, one. I just want to point out, Something, you know, maybe we can talk about it with Curtis. There's no bail. It's not a, there's no no bail law in the city. There's, there's, there's not, there's not a, in, in the state. That's not a thing. There are about 25, 30 states around the country have said that if two people are accused of the same crime and one of them can afford to pay a thousand dollars bail while he's waiting for a trial or waiting for dispensation of his case and another person can't, the person that can't sits in, sits in prison for months and months and months. I mean, the idea is that you are innocent until found guilty under our Constitution, under our Constitution. And these are people with nonviolent criminals. And I get that there's – I believe there should be a dangerousness thing that judges can look at. But this idea that somehow people like – and politicians are screwing around with this. Uh, and radio hosts are screwing around with this. I mean, we can spend more time. Hopefully we get back to normal after the election so people can understand what this is about. In the country, the number of people that were in prison waiting for trial had gone through the roof while the number of people that were being found guilty and incarcerated was flat. That means that people were being held pending trial and not going to prison. So that, and the only question is, should those people who are accused of something spend six months, eight months, a year, two years sitting in a prison cell simply because they didn't have a thousand dollars to post bail, and that someone, someone who does have the thousand dollars, he's walking the street? That's the only issue. It's an issue of fairness. Um, let's go to John in Putnam County. John, how are you today? I'm good, Anthony. I, uh, unlike the last caller, I'm, I'm not a big admirer. I, I don't hold a lot of uh, respect for you, just to be honest. I'm a independent. I am not partisan. I attended a rally this morning up here in Putnam County uh, for Zeldin and Mike Lawler, who's taking on Sean Patrick Mahoney. And the crowd was very, very large, very energized, 60 to 65% women. And I think you're misreading the tea leaves. I'm not sure how close you really are to the people in the electorate these days. Well, I appreciate that, John. I even appreciate your calling um, and your honesty about me. It's, it's, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I would just caution you. I think there's no doubt, and and John calls again. I think there's no doubt. There's much more enthusiasm on the Republican side, and there always is for the out party, the people who think that they are fighting to you know for their rights and they're being trampled on. The only problem with the dynamic this year is it's really the Republicans that have been the ones controlling the power through the courts. And so Democrats have that kind of feeling as well. But I think you're right. I think Zeldin has a lot more enthusiasm. I would also caution you not to crowd size, numbers of posters, things like that, 
are notoriously bad indicators. But you would know what's going on in Putnam County better than I. And I want to tell you this, Sean Patrick Maloney is certainly acting. He's the guy that's running against Lawler, the candidate that was mentioned. He's certainly acting like he's in, that he's in a close race. That's for sure. He, he's, he's, he is running, he is, um, running for his life. Uh, next go to Deidre in New Jersey. Deidre, thank you so much for holding on. Hello there, Anthony. Hi. I, I love that name. Listen, <laughs> I'm an independent, okay, and um, I definitely am, like, gun-ho, I want Oz to win, and I want Zeldin to win, because Hukul's out of her mind, Hukul, however you say it, and the other one is, I don't believe it's fit to be running in the first place, but, so anyway, on uh, I want to get back to your fentanyl story, yeah. um, that fentanyl was known, yes, to be in candy. Only, though, only for the smugglers to bring it across the border. It was caught already, but not for the trick-or-treaters. It wasn't going in distributing of candy to children. It was coming over disguised as candy. That's that's, that's not what the news stories were. 1,542 talk about Randall Fentel, two notes from Halloween warning that, that, I mean, look, uh, that's fine. You know, by the way, the fentanyl is a great example, and I appreciate your calling, Deidre. Fentanyl is a great example. If you look, fentanyl is this big issue at the border. People who bring in fentanyl of the border are are people who are documented. The people who are carrying it over are the people that aren't getting stopped for immigration things. Think about it for a second. If you want to have people carry over uh, drugs, you have a drug organization, why would you get someone who can't cross the border easily at a checkpoint? Eighty-nine percent of fentanyl that sees at the border is with people who are documented, permitted to be in the country. I mean, it's just people don't stop and make it. It is it. it, This is the problem with campaign time. Campaigns are about scaring people. Yeah, if you don't vote for us, it's going to be the end. Like even 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 Digger's like Hochul's out of her mind. No, she's not out of her mind. I mean, the argument about Fetterman and his, 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 his fiscal capabilities is a legitimate issue. I said that two weeks ago after the debate. It's a totally legitimate issue. But someone's out of their mind. No, she's not out of her mind. She might not agree with her. You might think that she's, you know, that does the wrong policies. But I think we're, we're adult enough and we're mature enough to not say that someone's out of their mind simply because they have different positions that, uh, that you might have. Jeff in Manhattan, do you agree? What do you think, Jeff? Um, I'm supporting uh, Zeldin, even though I'm a liberal Democrat, for three reasons that I'll give you, and I'll back it up. One, I think that she's incompetent. Two, I think she's dishonest. And to start with, she has total disrespect for the voters by trying to evade debates and then not have one until right before, um, you know, um, early early voting started. Because debates are for the voters, not just to hear the issues and stuff, which are, you know, canned, but to see how someone responds to pressure into curveballs. I agree. So the, the the third one you and I agree on. Give me take one of the first two and give me your evidence. Okay, the incompetence. Well, um, as a Giant fan, I I agree that the Bills should stay in New York. So it's not a question of helping them. But her negotiating team was horrible. They didn't negotiate at all. They could have got a much better deal. They gave the Bills a better deal than any other team ever got. So the point is, if she can't negotiate there. She, she's incompetent. And the same thing with the rebuild of Penn Station. It's premised on a lot of falsehoods that are not going to be known until well after she's out of office, one of it, which is building a lot of new office space that is going to hurt the people that live there. They're environmentally, they're protesting, and I don't know fully as much as they do. But two, even I know you know who Steve Ross is. He owns the Miami Dolphins and um, Hudson Yards and stuff and related companies. I heard this week he's backing out of some of the deal to build new new office space because we can't even fill the offices they have now. You know, but, but Jeff, I, I think those are both very good criticisms. I have the similar problem about the stadium, and I've said it on the air. I think the Penn Station redevelopment has some real problems. And one, and, and one but, last thing. Yeah, go ahead, quick. sir. Go ahead. Because um, you said too, so thanks, Anthony. Um, I think she lies. That's a, that's a big word. But when she keeps saying there's no crime problem, she lies, lies, lies. And, you know. Uh, hold lies. on, hold on. All right, all right. She said you didn't say there's no crime problem. And if we're going to talk about honesty, which is a legitimate thing, to, she doesn't talk about no crime problem. She hasn't said that. And I, but I want to tell you something. You want to talk about dishonesty. We had that debate, and we heard Zeldin's answer about voting to overturn the election. I mean, that was downright dishonest. So I, I never said that there were problems with the election. I was just raising concerns. No, you voted. He voted to decertify our votes. That's bigger than... 
all that other stuff put together when you say we're going to throw out the votes of all New Yorkers, because that's what it would have been. To say, well, the only question to Arizona, these three states, oh, yeah, there's only, by the way, there's only fraud in, in like, three states that are very close. He said, I'm, that, it, to me, disqualifies you. If you don't have enough belief in the people of this state that you believe that their vote should be thrown out and you and you then it freely admit you had no evidence to, to believe that. I mean, just to back up a little bit, he was found to have sent emails to this chief of staff to Donald Trump saying, here's what you should do. Put all of the information on the stop to steal stories, put it all in one place, verify whatever you can put it. And he said, well, I wasn't saying they were true. I was just saying if you've got them, put them all together. In that case, why did he vote not to certify if he didn't have evidence? Because that never came out. That There never was such a thing because there never was obviously such a case. It wasn't legitimate. And so talk about dishonesty. He finally gets his debate. He knew this question was going to come up. And that was his answer. So I don't know about it's one. It's, it's a different thing to say, I believe, you know, that the, that an issue is getting too much attention or less attention. But nowhere did Hochul say, I don't believe crime is a problem. Quite the opposite. You, you look at all of her TV commercials. Look at her speech she gave yesterday. Look at her speech that she gave today. She never said there's no problem. Now, she did have that unfortunate turn of a phrase in that debate where she said to, 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 to Zeldin, why are you focusing on that all the time or something like that? It was like just dumb to say that because just. It kind of gave the impression that she didn't understand why he was making a big issue about crime. But these are, look, these are not illegitimate reasons to vote. And so if you're using those things, more power to you. And as I said, I agreed with a couple of the, the ones that Jeff raised, and I'm glad that he called in. I hope you do, too. We'll be back. 800-848-WABC. We'll take a few more calls. 800-848-9222. I'm grateful that you're here for Election Preview 2022. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. So even the losers by Tom Petty. So Kyrie Leonard's lawyers have asked me to read the following statement. I, Anthony Weiner. Do I have to write exactly the way they wrote it here? I, Anthony Weiner. I can't. Curtis is going to kill me over this. I, Anthony Weiner, a well-known idiot, comma, incorrectly identified the anti-Semite on the nets, as Kawi Leonard earlier in the show, period. Most people who listen to 77 WBC knows that my relationship with the facts is sometimes strained, period. I, Anthony Weiner, want to apologize to Mr. Leonard. It was actually Kyrie Irving who is the anti-Semite that should be fired from the team. So there it is. I've read it. Now, John Katsimatidis won't get sued. Hopefully I won't get sued. And let's go back to the calls for a couple more minutes. I said I was going to tell the story about the, some of the threats that I had gotten and that my family had gotten over the years. I'll leave that maybe for the middle unplug the podcast that comes out on Wednesday um, because the, the board is full up. Some people have waited for a while. I want to get to them. Sal on Long Island. Go ahead, Sal. Sorry to make you wait so long. Hey, that's okay, Anthony. I love listening to you. Uh, listen, did you notice that uh, since 1967, after 55 years, this January coming, we wouldn't have no Cheneys, no Bushes, no Clintons, no McCains, no Pelosi, and hopefully no Schumer in the White House. This is my first point. Okay. And the second point is if uh, President Biden, who I don't like him at all, looks in the camera and says, before I took the office, a gallon of gas was $5, and now it's 370 something Am I supposed to believe that? You know, Sal, I don't, let's talk about Biden and gas for a second here. Do yeah. you know what, by the way, thank you for the long, that, that's interesting that there aren't going to be claims. There's, there's, 
that, that was an interesting summary. Let's take a look at the gas prices because I know people want to blame Joe Biden for gas prices. Do you know that Exxon's profits were in 2022? It's a rhetorical question because I did the research in this one. $43 billion. Shell, $30 billion. BP, $23 billion. Chevron, $29 billion. Do you think that they are raising prices as much more or just as much as they need to make a few bucks. No, they're raising, they're taking advantage of this circumstance. Who, right now, we are pumping more gas and exporting more gas um, and, and oil out of the United States than we did when Donald Trump left office. More, not less. There are 7,000 leases that this Biden administration has made available for uh, um, oil and gas companies to pump from that they have not touched. Why? They like high gas prices. They're capitalists. They like high gas prices. Why are the Saudis limiting production? Because they like high gas prices. I mean, this idea that, you know, everyone who's these free marketeers and say the Democrats want big government. And now that a, a business, the oil and gas business, is gouging everybody, suddenly you're like, where are these? I need some socialism here. There is nothing. I have heard this mythology over and over and over and over again. Well, we turned off oil and baloney. We're exporting more now than we did under Trump. Billions of dollars. People are suffering, and Exxon is making forty-three billions of dollars in profits. And I don't hear anyone ever call up and say these companies are gouging us. They're taking advantage of the of the environment in the economy right now to get profits on top of profits. Why don't they pump more gas? Why don't they pump more oil? Because they don't want to. Not Joe Biden doesn't want to. They don't want to. Well, if they're this pipeline or that pipeline, pipeline just move it around. The XL pipeline that just takes an L-shaped pipe and makes it a straight line. It doesn't increase one drop. Honest to Betsy. Whoever Betsy is, I mean, this is just crazy. Suddenly, all of these, all of these people who love the free market so much, they love small government, they love all that stuff. They're fine. Why are you rooting for Exxon? Why are you rooting for Shell to make thirty billion dollars of profits? Thirty billions of dollars of profits means that they could make twenty-five billion dollars in profits and give five billion dollars of it of a cut at the pump. You know they can do that, right? You know, BP has $23 billion of profit so far this year. You know, they can take 22 and make a billion dollars of it go back in, in um, to, to lower our prices at the pump. Oh, no, it's, 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 it's anti-oil Biden. For the love of God, the reason to want to get alternative sources of energy, because you know how much the sun charges? Nothing. Do you know how much the wind charges? Nothing. And you know, it certainly doesn't cost this much to buy electricity. So, I mean, I did a whole episode on electric vehicles. Okay? Don't you, wouldn't you rather, wouldn't you rather not give all this money to Exxon? Why do you want it so badly? Well, if only they pump a little more. If only Biden would get out of the way. 7,000 leases available today. Go pump, pump your, pump all you want. I mean, it's just amazing. It's like we've become so partisan. We're like now choosing Exxon. I like Exxon. Go, boy, yay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for 22 minutes on the phone to call up Wiener and say, why don't you give Exxon more profits, please? Please take my money, Exxon. He's, you know, we're trying to figure out a better way to do things and to sort of make progress. To leave our world a little bit better for the next year, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you prefer it that in our that when Jordan grows up and drives a car, he's not giving forty three billion dollars to Exxon? Would you prefer that? The dollar, the prices, this. We have a we got a war going on. We have a land war, the biggest land war with an oil producing company, to who a country that's turned off the oil. I wonder maybe if that had a little something to do with our little situation here. I wonder. I mean, how many times do I have to turn on 77? I love this station. It's the best. It's the best.
If only Joe Biden would let them pump oil. What are you talking about? They have $43 billion. $43 billion. Did I leave out Chevron? $29 billion for them. In profits, by the way. Profits. How come no one ever calls up and says, you know what? Put a boot on the back of us. All right, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. What about anything over $20 billion in profits goes back to the middle class and the tax cuts so they can afford the gas? How about that? Chevron gets $20 billion. You, my listeners, get $9 billion. Exxon gets $20 billion, I'm telling you here. $20 billion. I'm not saying you don't get any. $20 billion. And the other $23 billion goes back to you, Mrs. Crapalucci on Avenue P. You get it. So you can put gas in your car. Shell, you get $20 billion. And $10.1 billion goes, goes, to, um, uh, goes to Sal on Long Island. If you believe in that, if you support that, you know what you are? You're a Democrat. Because we don't rally around gas companies and oil companies. We don't do their bidding. We don't go out and call radio stations and say, oh, why doesn't Joe Biden get out of our way? We want to make $100 billion in profits. And I want to reiterate, Kyrie Leonard might be a very nice man. It was Kyrie Irving that I meant. And any factual mistakes about anti-Semitism on the Nets were directed that way. Well, listen, thank you very much for joining us on The Middle. Coming back at 3 o'clock, left versus right, me and Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa will get me up off the floor, use the jaws of life to pry me out of my chair here. It's so great to have you along. It's a beautiful day. Don't forget, turn back your clocks. Don't forget... And it is a commitment I make to you. If I win the lottery tonight, all of my listeners get a piece of the action. We'll see you on the other side.